John Scott leaving Penn State for the NFL. That's a step up for him, but this really puts Penn State in a bind. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Eric Olson, special guest, joining me for another live episode of Locked on Nittany Lines. Eric, the first time that you and I get to go live together. But thanks for hopping on the show today. Yeah, of course, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we're going to talk Penn State men's hockey. We're going to preview the Big Ten tournament opening round with Ohio State. Uh, It's potentially a three-game series if they need it, but they got to go out to Columbus, and we'll talk about Wisconsin and all of that. But first, Penn State's on the search for a new defensive line coach. Uh, There are some ideal candidates, but I think the bigger thing of this all is Penn State doesn't have exactly the most ample time to do its diligent, you know, due diligence look through candidates because most coaching staffs are set. It just happened to be that in the coaching carousel in the NFL, Detroit lost the defensive line line coach, John Scott interviewed, accepted the job right here is we're doing this live Tuesday, February 28th. But in terms of you're right at the beginning of March, I don't think Penn state's ever had to replace an assistant coach like this, this late in the cycle. Yeah, it's tough. Right. And I, like you said, I can't think of a time when, they've had to do that this late and it's a great opportunity for coach Scott. It's uh, exciting. Of course, I'm sure everyone wishes him nothing but the best uh, at the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's great for the James Franklin coaching tree too, right. To be able to have uh, a few assistants now uh, in the NFL. And I know what, uh, what coach chaos, you know, was able to do for a bit uh, with the giants was fun to watch. Um, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how how they handle this search. And I know, you know, James Franklin's talked about it before in the past when he's had to make hires. And I'm sure it's the same around the country. Every coach has a short list, right, that you you always are aware of. You're always updating on, hey, if something happens and I have an opening at this position, who's on that short list that, that I can talk to? And I know he you know, updates things throughout the year and, you know, who he's keeping tabs on. So I'm sure, you know, a, a major coaching staff at the division one level has to have contingencies, right? You, you have to be prepared for anything that could happen with coaching vacancies. So I'm sure he's had a, a short list of coaches he'd want to go after uh, if the situation arose. And now it'll be interesting to see um who they end up with and I, I think it's like you said it's a tough time of year but uh, I think it's something that as long as you get the right the right coach that, that's all that matters and um whoever that might be and you know the d-line has been something they're you know working on and trying to rebuild that depth that has been you know so good over the years and just being able to rotate four guys in at a time and not lose and not have any type of drop off so hopefully whoever they bring in next is able to maintain the the growth they've been on. 
And that guy might already be here. Uh, Dion Barnes, who was promoted from a graduate assistant spot to the uh, a recruiting coordinator slash analyst, which was going to give him some more uh, some more opportunities to be an active assistant. Uh, but this, I think, is an excellent opportunity for him to if he is the ideal candidate. It's just with John Scott leaving now, it almost seems like this is actually good news for Dion Barnes because Penn State can't go through an extensive search if they really want to pull somebody else away from a program or if they know somebody in the NFL that wants to come back. So I think that's the the bigger point of this, that you had a co- it's not like Taylor Stubblefield, who, who was fired, but Penn State really had its time to conduct uh, conduct interviews, go through all the resources communicate with people and, and see who ultimately was that ideal candidate because most college football programs they're set in stone right now with their staffs they're not expecting any sort of losses like this so but big fish eats little fish because if penn state does go get another candidate then some other staff is scrambling to to fill that vacancy as well yeah it's that uh that cascading effect right the ripple effect through uh college football but yeah you know it'd be great if uh he's able to get that opportunity and you know sometimes that's good to keep things in house because there's that uh, familiarity and sometimes you need to go outside of the house and bring in something different so it's uh be interesting to see what route they end up going and and how fast they want to make a decision because like you said if it's speed and you need to get something done quickly then it makes sense to stay in house but if they feel like they have some time to conduct a wider search and expand that net a little bit, then it may be a few weeks before we have that answer. Well, this is a little bit of bad news just because I think that Dion Barnes is the ideal candidate. So that's the good news. But the bad news is you are losing a key assistant when you have the chance to really make a run at the college football playoff. Hopefully Penn state makes the right decision, but on the recruiting front, this is the good news is that Manny Diaz is blazing hot. He is on fire. This is now five linebacker commits since he's been the defensive coordinator, part of the staff, the linebackers coach, and here we go again. This is a high-end three-star, according to 24-7 Sports on three, and that is Kari Jackson. Eric, uh, high school prospects, they, they, you know, they all come and go. I think this one's special just from the tape that I've seen. But more importantly, what does it mean for linebacker you? I think that this is almost like a reemergence because Brent Pry put his stamp on the program, but now Manny Diaz is putting a different stamp on it just – for him to come in and already one season in the books, now a second off season that he's landed five key prospects at the high school level. Just how, how's Manny Diaz continuing to build up LBU linebacker U? It's exciting to see. And you hope that with all the players that are committing the, the biggest challenge between now and when they step on campus is keeping them as commits. Right. And, you know, it happens and we we see it happen every year with programs, you know, guys commit and then they end up decommitting and end up somewhere else. So it's you hope that with the talent that is committed right now, they're able to keep them and get them to campus. But just to see what he's been able to do so far is is fun and it's continuing that tradition. And he had a phenomenal first season and it, it took a little bit of time, but. Right. He was really good at making adjustments in game and over the course of a season. And that's the type of growth you need to see. You're not always going to have a Georgia Bulldog defense, right? That can just go out week one and be as good as they are in week 12, 13, 14, however many games they end up playing. For Penn State, it took a little bit of time 
but they were far better off at the end of the season than they were at the beginning. And that's important growth to see the Rose bowl performance. You and I have talked about it a few times. The Rose bowl performance was phenomenal defensively. So I think going into year two now, he's going to be a better coach for it. Guys playing for him are going to be more experienced. I think Penn state's defense has the ability to be really strong. And now when you look to the future, some of these guys that you hope he is able to bring in, it's it's exciting. And, you know, it continues that linebacker U tradition. And I, Abdul Carter's done a phenomenal job and, and Micah Parsons before him and um, so many other guys, you know, going going back, Jason Cabinda and you, know, you I'm gonna forget a bunch of guys off the top of my head, but right. it just seems like every season there is a name that becomes a household name at the linebacker group that you remember for a few seasons, or maybe if they make an even larger impact for well after their college career is done. So it's, it's fun to see that he's able to bring in some recruits like this, this early and uh, try to continue to, to build on what he started recruits and also just how quickly these guys are responding. I mean, I know Brent Pry was working closely with Micah Parsons, but you just see the development. Micah Parsons, a two-year player because we know the circumstances from COVID, but uh, was going to be a three-year starter. Abdul Carter is going to be a three-year starter and somebody that went from, didn't even enroll early, came in in the summer and then became one of the most electrifying defenders in all of college football. That's across the nation. I'm not talking just freshmen. I'm talking somebody that played essentially half the season as a starter and put up full season starter numbers in the limited capacity that they were using him in to begin with. And then down the stretch, they carved out a starting position for him. They moved Curtis Jacobs over because both of those guys are playing the same spot and said, we need Abdul Carter on the field. So I think that's the most important. And going into recruiting prospects, see that they want to play for that. They want to be a part of that and allow Manny Diaz to work with them as well. Eric Olson, Penn state men's color hockey, color commentator, joining me on the show, locked on Nittany lions. And we're going to talk Penn state men's hockey, the ice hockey team, as they go to Columbus to take on Ohio state. But first a word from our sponsor of today's show. And that is a built bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories and you got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays, not too long ago. And I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, you don't want to compromise all the calories. I got just the thing for you. You got to try Built with Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. It's perfect for the New Year's resolution that's still going on. Am I right? But what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what is even better is that they are healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and i don't gotta wait around to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club so head over to walmart your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section grab yourself a box of built bars and pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. And thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out the brand new podcast, March Madness, 
It is almost here. And some tournament games are even, in fact, underway and getting underway in the smaller mid-major conferences. But that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I am Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lines. Another live episode this time with special guest Eric Olson as we're going to pick his brain for the insight, the preview around Penn State versus Ohio State. But I think it's important to start with the Wisconsin series because they split. And I I feel like Penn State still should have won both games. I want to ask about some of the missed calls, the the changes in calls that the referees had, especially uh, in game two with, with some goals taken away from Penn State. But they split, and that's why they have to go to Columbus to take on Ohio State in the opening round of the Big Ten. Whereas if they had beaten Wisconsin twice, I think our conversation is completely different. We're talking about Penn State and Michigan State, a four versus a five potentially in Pagula, but instead here we are and Penn State's got to go for the second year in a row to open up the Big Ten tournament in Columbus. So why didn't they sweep Wisconsin? I can't believe that they only had one goal on 47 shots in game two there because game one was great. Yeah, game one was great, and it felt like a a bit of a sigh of relief to – see that many goals end up in the back of the net and it's something they're capable capable of doing every single night with the style that they play and unfortunately it's the nature of the big 10 where goaltending is incredible in the conference and it just seems like no matter who you play you're going to run into a good goalie and you know friday night jared moe did not have a great game penn state was able Mm -hmm. to capitalize on a lot and then it got to the point where you had the feeling that, okay, because they didn't pull Mo, you knew that they were going to go to Kyle McClellan in game two because you don't leave a goaltender like that in a game for two reasons. Either one, because you know you're going to your other guy in the next night, so you don't want to put him in and risk him being shelled a bit. Or two, you use it to send a message to your team. You know, There's times you make a goaltender change because – not of the fault of the goalie, but because the team isn't playing well in front of him and you try to spark something. Sometimes it's because the goalie just wasn't playing well and you need to make a change. There's times you make you don't make a change because you don't want to have the other guy go in and you don't make a change because it sends a message to the team that, hey, you know, this is because we're not playing well for X, Y, and Z, whatever the reason is. And for Wisconsin, they are shorthanded. You know, they were missing Cruz Lucius, who is the best player on their team. They just haven't had the guns to go up against uh, a lot of the teams in the Big Ten this year with the the offensive firepower that you know Ohio State and Minnesota and Michigan and Penn State teams like that have. Michigan State's been very much improved offensively this year. Notre Dame is the one team that had drop-off in terms of scoring goals. It's been a struggle for them uh, all season. So Friday night felt like a big relief, right? The Penn State gets uh, six in the back of the net. And you felt good. And now, you know, they knew going into that series, they addressed it saying, hey, we control our destiny for getting home ice. All it takes is Mm -hmm. six points and we guarantee it. We don't need to look at any other situation. Guy said they talked about it in the locker room leading up to that week. Friday night, they get the three points. Now it goes to Saturday and senior day. And they played a good hockey game uh, again. It, it is frustrating that they didn't get more than one in the back of the net, and they had power play opportunities. They ended up 0 for 5. Um, they played 
you know, six minutes uh, at least of major power play time and weren't able to get one in the back of the net. And, you know, on the broadcast, Brian and Brian Tripp and I have talked all year about how special teams are going to make a difference this late in the season. And if you're not scoring power play goals on the opportunities that you get, it could come back to bite you. And it did in this game as it has in some others. They had opportunities to get multiple goals in the back of the net and they just weren't able to. But you also give a lot of credit to the way Kyle McClellan played. 47 saves, if I remember correctly, tied his career high. He made some outstanding stops. Um, and it's hard that you face a goaltender that stands on his head and what seems like game after game at times. But again, we go back to how strong the goaltending is in the Big Ten. And you have goaltenders like Dylan St. Cyr and Eric Portillo, Justin Close, Jakob Dobesh. It's hard when you're playing guys like that night in and night out, and it can be a challenge to score. But in the third period, Penn State had 44 attempts at the net. 22 of them ended up in shots on goal. 15 went wide, hit a couple posts. Ashton Calder unleashed a bomb of a shot that rang off the crossbar, would have tied it at two. Uh, and at that point, if it had gone to overtime, Penn State just needed the the other point to get two points out of that game and they would have home ice right now as well. So can't say they, they didn't play well and they didn't have chances to win that game because they certainly did. Sometimes that's just the nature of hockey. You play well, you're the better team and you don't win. Uh, you know, guy has this saying referees, goaltenders and rubber pucks. When you have all three of those in a hockey game, anything can happen. And in that game, officiating was a factor with, yeah a lot of penalties that were called and there were a lot of four on four. You had bouncing pucks. The shot that Ashton Calder let go that rang off the crossbar was a bouncing puck. And uh, he unleashed it, rang off the bar, would have tied it and goaltending. Kyle McClellan made a phenomenal goal line save on Connor McEachern, a goal that or a shot that would have tied it at two as well in the third period. So it was just one of those games. And unfortunately ended up being the difference with, what happened in the Notre Dame-Michigan game ended up resulting in Penn State not getting home ice going into the first round. And you know when the broadcast ended and even during the senior ceremony, we thought the opportunity for home ice was done. And players were talking about that, how you know they, they were disappointed it was the last game potentially that they would play in Pagula in their careers. And then we got home after that. The Notre Dame-Michigan game was still going on. And the Big Ten Network put up the scenarios and we learned that there was still an opportunity for Penn State to get that fourth seed. That game needed to go to overtime and Michigan needed to win it in overtime, which would have created a three-way tie for fourth place with Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan State. Penn State would have ended up with the tiebreaker and Notre Dame would have been going to Pagula, but now Penn State's going to Columbus. And Hockey's weird. You know, Penn State has struggled to win in Yost. Notre Dame is unbeaten in their last nine straight games in Yost Ice Arena against Michigan. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah, to make make sense of it all. It's just it is a little disappointing when you control your own destiny. This is one of the better Penn State ice hockey teams that we've seen uh, over the past decade. I would say, of course, there was the one that did make the tournament run not too long ago. Uh, but this one felt a little different this year with everything that they had returning. I mean, they're still I'm not I'm not counting anything out yet. You know, now it's postseason. Everything's behind them. They got to go win in Columbus if they want to improve their standing in the regional because they are guaranteed to get into the NCAA tournament. So 
Wisconsin's behind them. Ohio State's in front of them. A potential three-game series, depending what happens in game one and game two. But deja vu, Eric. You were just out there one year ago at this time with your broadcast partner, Brian Tripp. And yeah, these two teams are much different, but Penn State's had success out in Columbus. And both teams, they split. They're two and two this year. But what was so intriguing is that Penn State is a six seed. I mean, exact same situation. Or were they were they a, four, a five seed last year? It was I that right. I remember right. It was the four or five matchup. Okay, so they were a four. So they were a four and a five. But same setup as far as you got to go into Columbus for a three game series, and they lost game one. Then they turn around and then they both won game two and game three, interestingly enough. And if you look at the pairwise, Penn State's number eight, Ohio State's number nine. So it doesn't get any closer than this in terms of matchup. It's going to be an overall exciting series. The first thing I want to bring up, Eric, about these two teams is the fact that Penn State, when it comes to, as you brought up, special teams and Guy Godowski's tried to address it. But for a majority of the season, they have struggled when it's come to power play killing power plays special teams in general they're ranked uh, i think in the 40s in terms of success rate whereas you flip it over ohio state is one of the best in the country they actually lead the country in short-handed goals so starting there is that going to be a differentiating factor for this series it certainly could be because now we're at the point of the season where everything gets magnified you know a a turnover a save a really good shot, taking a penalty, all these little things that over the course of a 60-minute hockey game become magnified depending on what the result is. And special teams are going to play a, a factor, uh, without a doubt, uh, in my mind. And for Penn State, you have to be able to kill against the Buckeyes. They're very aggressive uh, on the power play. They like to move it around. And they have some shooters that are very talented. For Penn State, when you're on the power play, Ohio State is aggressive on the penalty kill. And they, you mentioned the shorthanded numbers. They were able to score a shorthanded goal in Pagula in the first half of the season. And you, you just have to be ready for that. You can't have those high turnovers on the power play because it'll likely lead to a breakaway or an odd man rush the other way. So special teams are, are going to be huge. And... For Penn State right now, they, they've struggled. And at Columbus, they were 0 for 6 on the power play just a few weeks ago. And not for a lack of chances. And, you know, it, it can be a little bit skewed sometimes. You can look and say, oh, you know, a team is 0 for their last 11 on the power play, let's say. And But then you have to almost go and see, like, okay, what did the power play look like? Was it effective? Did they get shots? Did they get opportunities? Or... Uh, were they struggling to generate chances? And there's been a lot of times where the power play hasn't converted, but they have looked really good and created really good opportunities. They had some pretty good opportunities in Columbus and just weren't able to score. So it's it's going to be a, a big weekend in terms of that. And like I said, it goes back to little things can make a big difference in a, a series like this where you want to be the team that wins game one, right, to put that pressure on. Uh, your opponent in game two and last year you mentioned it Penn State fell in game one came back one game two and were able to win game three I think Penn State is a better team now than they were last year Ohio State is certainly I think you can make the case as a better team as well these two are such carbon copies of each other I think the way they play and, and they're loaded up and down the lineup defensively the forward groups 
they can put four lines out there that can score. Both teams can. You have defensemen that can move the puck really well, get involved in the offense. And both teams have really good goaltenders. It's it's almost a coin flip in my mind. And when you look at the last seven games between these two, you can make the case it's a coin flip because six of the last seven have been one-goal games. The yeah. one that wasn't was the most recent game in Columbus that Ohio State won 4-2. And the reason it was was because they went. it was a 2-2 game late in the third, about five minutes left, and Ohio State was able to score, and then they had an empty net goal yeah. that, that made it 4-2 so six of the last seven one goal games between these two teams it's it's really good hockey when they play and traditionally Penn State plays really well in Columbus yeah they do because like I said they won out there they also beat them uh back in I think it was 2014 uh when they beat them uh Ohio State was number one in the, uh, the Big Ten and they had beaten the Buckeyes in, in, in a neutral site in the semifinal so they know how to play the Buckeyes tough in the Big Ten tournament uh but this is just I can say the setup would be a lot better if it was in Pagula hosting as opposed to going on the road, because any time that you got to go on the road, it's just difficult. And and it's shown because uh, but Penn State, I think, has done better. They took one away against Minnesota. They took one away against Michigan. That is almost unheard of in this case, at least recently for Penn State ice hockey. And now you're here. I just got to imagine that Ohio State has revenge on the mind for a well-coached team. What? is another key for Ohio state that makes them such a tough team outside of just the way they handle special teams here. Well, you mentioned the coaching and, and Steve Rollick is an excellent coach and, and guy has tremendous respect for him. And I know Steve does for guys well be, with what both of them have been able to do with their programs and they're very well coached. They, they play a structured game uh, again, like I said, very similar to, to the way Penn state plays and, they're, they're very good defensively. They have some talented players. Mason Lorai and Cole McWard are two of the best defensemen in the, the conference, much, let alone the country. They can move the puck really well. They're both factors on the power play, um, killing penalties. So when you start from the back end out and you're really good with your blue line and you're getting pucks out of your zone quickly, getting that transition going, it's going to lead to opportunities. And that's the way Penn State wants to play as well. They want to get the puck out of their zone as fast as they can, one, two passes, get it in the other end of the ice, and go to work. So for Ohio State, they're good defensively. They're an experienced forward group as well, and they also have some young, talented guys like Stephen Halliday, who had a really good series against Penn State in Columbus just a few weeks ago. And, of course, you look at the goaltending. Jakob Dobesh has been a struggle for Penn State to get goals passed, uh, recently it's gotten a little bit better. He hasn't had the season this year that he did last year where he was just unbeatable. I mean, if you got more than two past him on a night, that was a big win for you. But now he, he struggled a bit. Ohio State struggled in their most recent series, uh, the last regular season series at Minnesota, uh, getting swept by the Gophers. So Dobesh might be a little bit vulnerable right now. Um, Penn State was able to get six past him in Columbus most recently. So it, I think the biggest difference is going to be which goaltender can make that big save. Is it going to be Soulier or is it going to be Dobesh? Whichever goaltender can make the big save when it matters the most, I think is going to end up winning the hockey game. And they're, they're two really talented guys. Both teams have a lot of playoff experience. Penn State has been one of the best Big Ten tournament teams since its inception. 
you know, they have very rarely lost, you know, the old format was just, you know, game one, game two, game three. Mm-hmm. It was, there was no series. So you played, you know, a, they played a lot of games at Joe Lewis arena and wherever the tournament was going to be. Winner take all. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you quarterfinals the first night and then the semifinals the next night and championship game is the third night. And the year they won the big 10 championship in the tournament, that was the format it was. And then since they've switched now to multiple weeks, the first round being a best of three, um, Penn state has been one of the best teams at getting out of that first round and getting to the semifinal and home ice has been important. If I don't quote me on this, but I think it's been 11 of the 12 quarterfinal series in this format have been won by the home team. The team that was able Mm -hmm. to finally accomplish winning on the road, Penn State last year in Columbus. It's the only time a team has gone in and won the best of three series on the road. There's no doubt in my mind Penn State can do it again this year and be the first team to do it twice. Yeah, But it's going to come down to Special teams and goaltending, I think. If if a goaltender can make that big save when it matters the most, he's going to give his team a, a really good chance to win. And I do want to make a correction. I said that Penn State and Ohio State played in that semifinal game. That was in 2019, actually, when uh, Ohio State was the number one seed. They were at home, and Penn State won that game out in Columbus. So as of late, when it comes to the Big Ten tournament, and Penn State just plays the Buckeyes well on the road. So hopefully that trend can continue. I mean, there are a lot of players back from last year's team, so there is the familiarity. Uh, Outside of familiarity, uh, what do you think? makes the Nittany Lions the, the better team in this series against the Buckeyes. And again, it, this is playing for this. This doesn't knock anybody out. Nope. The, both teams are going to make the NCAA tournament. So this is essentially uh, seeding bragging rights, uh, but m- more so that Penn State wants to be a top team in the regional, if that's still a possibility. But they got to they gotta beat Ohio State. And then if they win, they got to go back up to Minnesota and play the Golden Gophers in a winner-take-all game in the semifinals. So, But here against the Buckeyes... Does Penn State have enough to do it again back-to-back years? Yeah, they absolutely do. And you talked about the experience they have. Uh, they're a deep team in their forward group and defensively. Um, you know, The freshman defensemen, Jared Crespo, Carter Shade, Dylan Gratton have gotten exponentially better as the season has gone on. They're playing great hockey right now. Uh, the the freshman forwards, you know, Alex Serbagno has played a lot of minutes now recently. He, he's becoming a man, mainstay in the lineup. And, you know, then you have the, the veterans, the guys that have played a lot of tournament games and that have played a lot of big minutes. And then you bring it. So I'm talking about a, a lot of the seniors, Kevin Wall, Connor McEachran, Connor McMenamin, um, Tyler Gratton. These guys ha- have played a lot of big hockey. And unfortunately, the past couple of years, Penn State has been playing for its life in the tournament. Uh, in the Big Ten tournament to try to make the NCAA tournament. Now they're in the situation of they're going to Allentown. So if they lose this weekend, their season isn't over, but they want to win another Big Ten championship. And guys talked about that in the senior ceremony. And then you bring in two transfers in Tor Linden and Ashton Calder, who combined have played somewhere close to over 300 games in their college careers. They're two of the oldest players in the country. They've played a lot. They've played a lot of tournament games. They have postseason experience. They've been excellent this season for Penn State. You need guys to lean on 
in situations like this where it's a big moment in the third period. You need to know how to handle situations, how to handle your emotions. And the more times you've been in those situations, the better you are for it. So Penn State has enough guys that over the last four or five years have played in these moments that I think they are able to handle it without a doubt and go into Columbus and get a win. I, I don't think it's going to be an easy series for either team by any stretch. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes to three and you see what happens from there. But it's it's an opportunity for Penn State to move on to the semifinal and go back to Minnesota, like you said. And it's there's no doubt that Penn State can win the Big Ten championship. They are good enough yeah. to do it. Uh, against anybody but it takes a, a really good as close to a 60 minute effort that you can get and at times that's been a struggle this season to have that consistency over the course of a hockey game and this is when you know you get to prove it the best teams are able to do it for as close to 60 minutes as possible and sometimes you have to learn lessons from that I think Penn State feels they've learned enough lessons this year that they can go out and execute it. And it all comes back to the leadership. Of course, you have Paul DeNaples, the fifth year two-time captain who is a, as steady a defenseman as there is in the country and all the other guys who have played in these big moments. So I, I think they're going to have to lean on that experience in the leadership this weekend. Eric, I like Penn State as well in this one. I just think that it, the consistency is all there. It's the same group. And no matter what team comes out on top, uh, they're both going to make the NCAA tournament, and it's going to be a, as close as it gets, as you said. One, as one goal has been the deciding factor in six of the last seven games, and Penn State has had Ohio State's number on the road, I might add, in these Big Ten tournaments. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Check out Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball. He's Eric Olson, Penn State men's hockey color commentator. You're going to be traveling out to Columbus with your broadcast partner, Brian Tripp. That is going to be on gopsusports.com. If you want to stream it, it'll be on the local radio stations as well. Puck drops at 7 on Friday, March 3rd, and then... March 4th, it'll be Saturday at 5. Uh, Sunday, that's only if necessary. So hopefully Penn State can take care of business in two games. And then you get to come back to Happy Valley early, Eric. Yeah, uh, a sweep would certainly be nice. Uh, so you don't have to go to that game three and the uh, <laughs> the stress that goes with it. Um, but yeah, it's a, a great opportunity. And hopefully the, the result goes the way Penn State needs it. And, you know, it a one seed in Allentown isn't out of the question. If they're able nope. to get to the big 10 championship game, I think it's going to take that right now. They're probably looking at a two seed uh, in Allentown. And I know they're, they're very excited about that opportunity to go and play in front of what could be 9,000 Nittany Lion fans, but it all starts this weekend, one game at a time in game one uh, against Ohio state and what should be a, an incredible series. Really? Uh, there's a lot of great matchups and I know Michigan state's got to be saying, you got to be kidding me. We got to go back and play Notre Dame because yeah. it just seems like every year it's Michigan state and Notre Dame in the first round, uh, usually in um, South Bend. So the, the Spartans were oh so close to getting home ice and Notre Dame was able to snatch that away from them. And then Wisconsin and Michigan, the other matchup in the first round and best of three, anything can happen. Certainly, and uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend of Big Ten hockey. Minnesota gets to sit at home, but Eric, I, I hope that you have a, a safe trip over there, a safe trip back. Thank you so much for your expert analysis on another live edition of Locked on Nittany Lines. Appreciate the time as always.
Yeah, of course, Zach. Appreciate it and looking forward to this weekend.